0: What is this podcast, I ask? Yeah. It is a podcast called Estranged that we um, have recently started, Adrian and I. Mm -hmm. Um, We are looking at film through an ideological lens. We are taking a film each episode and discussing some of the themes emerge and how we respond to it given a current cultural situation, societal system.
1: That sounds pretty good. Rest. Okay. I'd listen to it if Would I you? wasn't in it. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I'm gu- I'm guessing we're going to have to listen to them back and edit out any extremely rude things that we say or controversial things that might get us into trouble in this very puritanical age.
1: Well, we'll like, we should... Uh... You know, we'll be clever about maybe do a Patreon and release, like, the unedited version. Or <laughs>
0: <laughs> the bit that we bitch about everybody. Yeah, yeah, only the people nice.
1: that are, like, loyal, you know, yeah. can listen to the our, unedited. Our
0: one follower. Yeah. No, um, <laughs> we actually, I think, we are trying to be at least n- politically nice, as in it's a political decision to be nice. And I kind of think it is important not to just resort to um, kind of... Rampant criticisms, easy digs at things that are happening in our world, and really kind of thinking about why things are the way they are and how things are emergent of a wider problem. Yeah, perhaps, and that sometimes easy digs are kind of a rep, uh, are maybe representative of not having enough knowledge or not having sure. a good enough understanding as to why things are the way they are. So we're yeah. trying to be um, as reasonable as we can be.
1: And dysfunctional political projects eventually shoot themselves in the foot anyway.
0: So, yeah. <laughs> oh, you were referring to something very particular, are you? Would you like to share what it is? No, just joking. Oh, no, I will not <laughs> <laughs> We don't want to get too deep in a certain hole. Sure, yeah, yeah. But, um, yes, it's a whole that maybe at one some stage we would distance ourselves from. Uh, we're both um, fans of zero books and the content they put out. And um, I know Doug made a video recently um, about a certain kind of leftist project that is not associated with a certain kind of political movement which I think we would align ourselves with um, yep. and maybe I'm being very elusive as to what we're talking about but maybe over the course of our podcasts you will come to see what we mean but we are cowardly people
1: perhaps. Yeah. we're we're under the rocks we're having our conversations under the rock and like it's I don't know what the fuck am I saying? Under <laughs> the I don't rocks, know. no.
0: Is that, a, is that a like a, a Spanish phrase, idiom that isn't no no
1: it's, L- isn't it like isn't it this thing like uh, you know come under your rock aren't like iguanas like under the rocks and they just I don't, don't know. Like, they just I think come it's out definitely for
0: a Mexican phrase if it's talking about iguanas no yeah <laughs> no, it's te- te- funny when iguana um,
1: tequilas rocks, rocks the desert no, yeah. desert
0: you know all that stuff no when one speaks different language and then. One uses an idiom with a direct word replacement in another language. Oh yeah, um, it's quite funny because you realize how weird language is, and certain idiomatic phrases that can't be translated language to language. And you say something in a different language, and it's like, what?
1: Yeah, yeah. Yes. We were talking about this before because there's a few authors that um, that write in French, mm-hmm. and then the translation is into English. Mm-hmm. But it helps to know a Latin, yeah, no, a Latin language.
0: Yeah, you're You're, right. You you? speak
1: Spanish pretty well.
0: Well, thanks. I mean, I used to speak it better, but I let it slide. Yeah. And I'm trying to get back into it. Maybe we should uh, (laughs) record an episode in Spanish and I will be terrible. Yeah, Um, that would be cool. But I, yeah, I want to, I do, we'll be talking a lot about Spanish film, Mexican film potentially at some stage, um, because there are lots of uh, directors we admire. But talking about language, actually, this film that we are going to talk about today is a lot to do with language. I mean, the principal theme is language.
1: The previous episode we talked about that there's two types of films, ones that represent ideology and ones that are within ideology. Mm-hmm. To me, it seems like this is the type of film that represents yes. ideology.
0: I mean, we, we were saying that we were going to look at both films that we like and dislike because, you know, a value judgment is nothing to do with the the project of this podcast. Yeah. Um, and In a I very
1: think... millennial fashion, we started masochistically. With a film that we don't like.
0: Yes. There's something about millennials. Um, I mean, we will We'll also, this is something that we'll get very deep into throughout this podcast. But yeah, we are, we're a very negative generation mm-hmm. and perhaps not surprising.
1: And we enjoy it.
0: We enjoy it. We enjoy our enjoyment. Yeah. Which is perhaps a good thing. I mean, there's nothing wrong with being negative necessarily. But it's funny because we were talking about um, various podcasts that we enjoy listening to and um there's a certain very negative tinge to a lot of them and um i think often certain when one is critiquing a system uh, as i was saying earlier, it's very easy to just get into blind angry well, not necessarily angry but you know criticisms and negativity and mm-hmm. i don't know if that's the best way to go
1: but we couldn't help it we did it like in a you know a, kind of a metaphysical way mm-hmm. you like, We tried to be nice about it, but we were talking about a film that we hate.
0: Yeah, we both didn't like that film. Yeah. But we can appreciate the triumph in certain dimensions that it was.
1: Well, we don't have to. It's still still super successful. Yeah, exactly.
0: They did it very, very well. But we we finished watching it last night and we were both... I'm a very verbose person and I was speechless in my kind of...
1: It's very mesmerizing. Disgust. We were going to yeah. watch 20 minutes and we watched, watched the, whole the whole thing. We the whole thing. Yeah. yeah.
0: We were the capitalist incantation. Took <laughs> us over. Yeah, that's yeah. good. Yeah, but this film, this film, we both love.
1: We do like this film.
0: And it is made by a director whom I admire immensely, who is, I think, my personal favorite of contemporary, contemporary directors. And sure, he does yeah. the very admirable thing of making... Um, You know, very artistically impressive films, of kind of walking the line between art house and mainstream. Yeah. And his some of his early films are incredible.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah. Polytechnique. Yes. Yes. I just yeah, I I kind of am am, am at a loss, it to express to expressing how much I love this director.
1: Denis Villeneuve.
0: Denis Villeneuve. Yes. And. I was very lucky to work with an actor recently who has been in some of his yeah, like director's films. Two or three, right? Yeah, and I kind of feel it's kind of strange. I feel like the degrees of separation are not very <laughs> big but enormous in reality. It was kind of like accidentally, um, you know, that we were really lucky to work with this actor, but Yeah. You know, I just can't believe that he David has worked with Danny Villeneuve. Yeah, yeah. have you amazing. asked him about it? Like, I haven't. I haven't. I've asked him about certain directors but I haven't asked him about working with Danny Villeneuve, but yeah, I just, my admiration is too strong.
1: Yeah, you gotta, you gotta keep it unknown, not know much about it so you can keep on fetishizing it. I know, it. I know
0: exactly. I will one day perhaps will be revealed that, I don't know, there's some aspect about him, like he does something strange, like...
1: You can idealize it right now, just enjoy yeah. filling in the gaps.
0: But this film, Arrival, I just... And to be honest, he didn't write it. And it is really the feat of the script that I was most taken by. Yeah. Um, The real technique of structurally incorporating the main theme of the film within the structure itself.
1: Ted Chiang is yes, the
0: short story writer. Did he write the script, or was that them?
1: No, he didn't. I don't think he wrote the script, but, but the short, short story, story yeah. it came out in '98. It's called yeah. "Story of Your Life." Yeah, yeah. yeah. Did you yeah. read it? The no, short. I,
0: read, I have not read the read the story. I have just been a philistine and, read, and watched the film, but. Um,
1: but it was written by Eric Heiser.
0: Okay. Yes. Um, but yeah, this 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 film is just a really wonderful film. Um, and it it expresses a lot of things a lot of phenomena that we're quite interested in do you want to tackle one of those things?
1: Sure so I think one of the things that by the way, if you haven't seen the movie, maybe go watch it. And if you're still interested, you can listen to the episode. But there's definitely going to be some spoilers, right? Mm-hmm. So I think one of the things that really interested me about it is the ending where you get this reveal that Amy Adams... Well, the character that Amy Adams plays... um, Knows that her daughter is going to get sick and, and, and pass away. And also knows that her husband... Is going to leave her because of because she knows, mm-hmm. and she still has the kid. Mm-hmm. And this comes from a very complex story, but basically, there's a few uh, alien ships that come down to Earth. Twelve, and um, she starts to have like these sort of side effects of visions, um, in cause of of of, of these ships. Mm-hmm. And she knows that mm-hmm. she know she has these visions of the future, mm-hmm. and it's kind of complicated because you think that this is like she's having flashbacks Mm -hmm. at least the first time that i saw Mm -hmm. the movie i thought she was having flashbacks but they're Mm -hmm. flash forwards Mm -hmm. and um she decides to still have the daughter Mm -hmm. and eventually the husband finds out about Mm -hmm. that she knew and leaves her Mm -hmm. and i think zizek made this this critique of of um of the movie saying that you know he she shouldn't have done that that Mm -hmm. it was like very selfish of her to Mm -hmm. to have the the kid but part of me wonders if um if we all don't do that Mm -hmm. eventually every time that we that we have we bring somebody into the world we know that they're eventually going to die Mm -hmm. and Particularly now, I've I've actually had th- this conversation with my parents. It's like, how can I have a kid knowing that like global warming is 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 a thing, knowing that we're in an environmental crisis, financial crisis, it's just not a good place to bring people into. And mm-hmm. you know, they gave, they kind of gave me this shrug, like, well, it's just the way it is, <laughs> and <laughs> um, and we all do it. Like we all we all are aware of the dangers of life. We're mm-hmm. all aware of death and we're all aware of financial difficulty mm-hmm. and um, environmental difficulty and yet we still mm-hmm. choose to bring life into the world. Mm-hmm. I don't think it make made a difference no, I to her exactly, that she had the vision.
0: A, yeah, value judgment is necessary in terms of you know, if it's a selfish thing to do or not. But it's, it's interesting because the, the two the two phenomena, that I feel like this film is it's such a human film and... Um, the two aspects that I think are really interesting are, are the idea of language and how language makes us human and language related to thought and consciousness. And then also death and how death is part of the human experience. And the repression of the death. The repression of death. Yeah, that was exactly something I was just gonna ask you now. So you I think the words you use would, you know, so she knew she knows about or even given this death, she's going to do it. But we were talking earlier about repression and how we repress as humans um the inevitability of death
1: yeah
0: what have you to say about this
1: well i just think that she has a very clear and vivid vision mm-hmm. of the struggles that her daughter is going to go through mm-hmm. but i think she represses it yeah i'm not i'm not i don't know if it's selfishness it mm-hmm. might be but then w- we all are yeah i think we all are like and and the interesting thing is that she's the one that had the vision mm-hmm. and she decided to have the kid anyway. Mm-hmm. Jeremy Renner finds out that she has mm-hmm. she had the vision mm-hmm. and then he gets upset and mm-hmm. he leaves her. Mm-hmm. I don't think that he would have made an, a a decision that was different mm-hmm. than hers. If she, if he I don't mm-hmm. think th- if he had the vision I think he would have still had the kid anyway because you need that repression of death.
0: It isn't you see, the idea of repression of death. I mean we tend to I think um especially in this modern world where things are much more clinical and we live longer and we're less surrounded by the dangers of life you know 200 years ago you might lose any number of children and death was much more prominent we we repress death and we we see life in terms of life but i think was it freud who talked about how life was actually just a diversion between two deaths and Mm. that you know, originally the first, the first living cell was just a flash of life. And gradually we've extended this diversion between two deaths to something, you know, around 80 years. And that re- really we are framed by life. Yep. Uh, sorry, that was a Freudian slip. Lol. <laughs> we are framed by death. Yeah. Um, we are actually both of us making a film this year, um, which is inspired by a Buddhist parable about death. About a woman uh, losing her child and coming to terms with it, and the idea—you know—the the film ends with the line that only death can bring life to life, mm-hmm. and it is death that it is the the uh, finitude of everything that that brings life to life. Yeah, but we we really repress this idea of death that we're going to die. It's yeah. almost impossible for us to conceive of it. I
1: think that her decision to not have the child mm-hmm. would have destroyed her mm-hmm. in some way because that would have been bringing death to the fore mm-hmm. i think that she had to make the decision empirically to to repress death in in her own life
0: mm-hmm. and uh, repression isn't necessarily a bad thing you know we talk about um culturally we are very um influenced by a lot of the ideology that uh, surrounded the 68 Mm-hmm. revolution and uh you know there's uh, that it was kind of like an early freud which is repression is bad allow yourself to be who you're meant to be sex good you know um yeah. and we have this kind of very public uh we have this entering into the public realm of things like sex but late, late freud you know was quite conservative and is not against repression and we have primary primary repressions. Give us language. Primary pr- repression gives exactly. us ego. Yeah. So you know we're kind of on the side of repression to a certain extent, um, and yeah, repression's not really that much of a bad thing necessarily. But talking about you know choice and her choice, do you not think that I mean, does she have a choice in that she the visions tell her that it's going to happen anyway? You know, the kind of the structure of the film is like she's. Has the decision already been made in the fu- in a future before the film has taken place?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's like I forgot what that loop theory is, but mm-hmm. it's just like there's no way to change it because it's already accounted for in the vision. Yeah. But if it was possible, I think the most that she would have like, existentially been possible would have had the possibility of doing it, is to just be honest about it from mm-hmm. the from the beginning. Yeah. From
0: yeah for, with with her with her with her TV husband, husband or yeah.
1: yeah partner yeah.
0: Yeah, and it's interesting because the idea of repression you know we have in film quite a lot the idea of flashbacks and there's the idea a lot in in storytelling of how a character has some trauma or ghost from the past that affects them in 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 the present and it's almost kind of like a i've heard people call contemporary storytelling freudian but i would say it's profoundly not freudian and actually quite jungian that the um a lot of films certainly disney films um are to do with coming to terms with this trauma in the past and accepting them, and kind of bringing them into oneself to be a better participant in society. Yeah. It's kind of like a lesson to be learned in one's trauma. Um, and now I've lost the tangent of my thought, <laughs> but nope. the idea of uh, trauma ghost something in the past, dearie me. I've, I've no, but yeah, yeah I, I think I, th- what I what think that's say.
1: a very good point that you brought up because. Language comes from an inability Mm -hmm. to Mm -hmm. be at one with Mm -hmm. others. Mm
0: -hmm. It's a first, it's a primary frustration that causes language, yeah.
1: Yeah, language is sort of like constituted in uh, an inability to Mm -hmm. articulate Mm -hmm. real communication with others. And I think that the same way like family Mm -hmm. culture is sort of like constituted in our repression of that Mm -hmm. it's all going to go away at some point. Mm Mm-hmm. and it's not something transcendent and mm-hmm. um I, I i just think that's a that's a great point
0: yeah no absolutely I, I i guess that you know this is this is something in terms of our position that we should probably clarify um that we probably see the unconscious as a rupture rather than a compensatory mechanism mm-hmm. so we would be i actually must confess i used to be a Jungian, and mm-hmm. i am not anymore. Um, oh, no. It's a long story, but I, you know, I'm, you know, again, I, you know, we've said in a previous, our previous podcast that we're not experts, but this is just from kind of lived experience, and I would say the difference between Jung and Freud is that Freud um, and later Lacan and others um, see the unconscious as a rupture, as something that can't be fixed. There's mm-hmm. no lesson there. It's, it's a nothing. It's a void. It's 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 a rupture, a break, from which eventually language comes, and. Yeah, so, so Jung is more, uh, the unconscious is a compensatory mechanism. And the way I see films being kind of more Jungian than Freudian is that there's there's a lesson that, that the character has to learn, that a past trauma that they carry with them, that eventually they come to terms where they incorporate it within them. There's a lesson and they become better, yeah. quote unquote. But we don't think there's an ultimate lesson. There's no yeah. there's no message and there's no becoming
1: and this is why, and I think this is why this film is very realistic, even mm-hmm. though it's a sci-fi movie. And it's mm-hmm. that, you know, she doesn't adapt to some kind of archetype of being a hero. Mm-hmm. She doesn't do that. Like, she, com- she's completely aware that, mm-hmm. you know, regardless of the vision, it would have happened anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I think there's something in the surrender yeah, to death yeah. while simultaneously also kind of repressing it mm-hmm. so that you can live your life. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that is beautifully captured in the film. Absolutely.
0: Yeah, there's a... a, I feel there's certain like two categories of films. There's films of escape and then there's films of like consolation. Mm -hmm. And this is maybe a film of consolation and I feel like, you know, all there is is really consolation because we can't escape the reality of being a human which is profoundly traumatic and yeah, you can either... You either have a kind of a... And there's some... You know, Freud talked about infantilization for instance in terms of religion that there's nothing necessarily wrong with having a crutch sometimes and escaping but does the escape allow you to re-enter into life in a damaging way and you continue to damage yourself until you have this other opportunity of escape? And, you know, it's interesting. It's, it films, it's cinemas in Ireland, there's a um, this chain of cinemas, called the Omniplex, and they have this, you know, now they have in cinema chains, these like elaborate... Uh, animations or little videos about turn off your phone and these very high production values. But it basically expresses how you're here at the cinema to escape your shitty life and this amazing thing you're gonna see, this spectacle and escape into this magical realm. And yeah, there's nothing wrong with that necessarily and we do need crutches sometimes. We need to be infantilized sometimes. But yes sometimes films provide that and sometimes films yeah allow allow for a consolation of a shared Human experience that is profoundly difficult and traumatic, and there isn't an answer. Yeah. Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah. I, know, I was going to say, so should we talk about language a bit more? Yeah. Let's and do it. how um, the film's shape is shaped by language. And I guess the, you know, the insight of, well, one of the linguistic insights of this film is that language is thought. So as soon as she comes to learn this circular language that the aliens are kind of a communicating with her in, kind of teaching her, she becomes able to think in a circular way. Yeah. So yes, and language is thought. And I mean, I don't know how deep dive do we go, how we can express what kind of a psychoanalytic um, structure of self, how self comes out of language, how language creates ego, or ego creates language, you know. So do you want to talk about that a bit?
1: Well, it seems to me like there's this... This is the thing that's confusing to me. Mm-hmm. And I'm wondering if it's... Okay, so there's there's an interruption into human life mm-hmm. by the alien.
0: In the film, yes.
1: Yeah, in the film. And I don't know if it makes a difference for the world. Mm-hmm. Uh, that world in, in in the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, they're there, but I think that the language that the that the aliens bring, mm-hmm. and it does start to change things. But I'm, I don't know if really the humans that come out in the movie like can really incorporate into their lifestyles like the changes that that this language could brings.
0: Yeah, because I guess you know the motivation of the aliens is they need the help of the, they're going to need the help of the humans in 3,000 years' time, so they need to be able to communicate with humans in order for that to happen. Is that right? But yeah, Yeah. the, 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 the tool or weapon, as they say, the gift is this language, this tool. But yeah, whether that actually helps us to be better humans. And I guess it's funny because... The tra- i remember watching the trailer back in 2016 of this film and thinking oh my gosh this looks terrible it's about cooperation you know some like really simplistic message yeah and actually you know obviously they didn't reveal the big reveal in the trailer um and which kind of profoundly changes the reality of the structure of the story and takes it from kind of a very kind of linear, single level conflict to cooperation kind of film yeah um But yeah, no, I think you're right. I can't, I can't really remember if it's brought to light whether we have to learn to cooperate with each other. Is that you know that? Well, that's what that's what
1: that's why I'm saying that I'm not sure that it made a difference Mm -hmm. because it's reduced to this sort of like cooperative thing. Mm -hmm. But um, I think that the difference is that our language is temporal Mm -hmm. and theirs is not. Yeah. And I, I'm not sure that like they could even communicate with each other in any meaningful way. Mm -hmm. I think that. Amy Adams or the other, any of the other guys that were, like, studying the language, um, they do have, like, visions, mm-hmm. but it's, it's in a very human way. Mm-hmm. I don't think that they experience it as something alien. I think yeah. the only alien thing is, what, like, what they're seeing visually. Yeah, yeah. But um, I don't know. I'm just not sure that there's, like, a compatibility between the two l- languages, like mm-hmm. the temporal mm-hmm. or the atemporal, mm-hmm. which makes me wonder if we're even able to think atemporally. I mean, what's that you thing know, of like? I mean, if you want to see if what somebody really believes, is just mm-hmm. like don't listen to what they say. Mm-hmm. Listen, uh, see what they do, mm-hmm. and what happens at the end of the film is just that life continues on as if nothing. Mm-hmm. Um, she's aware of the whole mm-hmm. death thing, but mm-hmm. she doesn't do anything about it.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I think that's actually quite interesting. You know, th- this is potentially a difference between this film and 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 Hollywood movies. Well, it is a Hollywood movie, but traditional kind of cliche Hollywood movies that there's some change, that change happens. Yeah. Whereas, you know, it's, it's information, but nothing changes. And it's it's almost because, yeah, w- the difference often between is, mis- is misunderstood of a continental perspective and perhaps, you know, a liberal perspective. There's a lot of similarities, but they're profoundly different within themselves. It's very hard to explain. Uh-huh. That everything's different, but nothing's different. And it's the same with, you know, the psychoanalytic cure. I mean, there's there's no real cure. Sure. But there is. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, I think I mentioned it in the last. It's sort of an anti-cure. It's an anti-cure. Yeah. Do not give way in terms of your desire. Both don't go after this hideous pursuit of your desire and kill yourself in this kind of driven zombie way. And also don't let it pass. Keep doing it. Yeah. It's, it's a textual difference. Yeah. That anything can be healthy or unhealthy. But yeah. it's kind of a drive and desire difference.
1: So what you're saying is that she she knows, but at the same time...
0: Yeah, what does that knowledge...
1: Thing, yeah, the only thing that she can do is just continue on, mm-hmm. on with her life. And mm-hmm. there is an eruption in in her language mm-hmm. by the introduction of a different language. But mm-hmm. at the end of the day, I'm not sure that she incorporates it in any meaningful way. hmm um. And that,
0: I mean, that's, that's a message in and of itself. You know, as in Zizek's point, you know, don't, don't act, just think. As in any act, any action, any form of action can be damaging and negative or it can be good. Mm-hmm. And so almost what is there to do other than be aware?
1: Yeah. Yeah, I, don't... Yeah, I, I but I like this thing that you're talking about, like the, the solution of, of psychoanalysis being sort of a non-solution mm-hmm. and it's it i think the solution comes from a surrender mm-hmm. of the possibility of uh of a cure yeah yeah once you start letting yeah. go of that yeah once you start letting go of that hope mm-hmm. uh then the real possibility of mm-hmm. some kind of uh, something that comes in and mm-hmm. and really can change your perspective world of the world starts to Absolutely. manifest itself
0: it's the, the first step of the 12 steps is to accept that you're accepted and no change can come without acceptance mm-hmm. of no change. You know, you might be at step zero forever and that's fine. Yeah. You're an alcoholic and it's fine. And I think, you know, that, that's really the difference between cap- capitalism ideologically and what a kind of potentially world that we're talking about. There's nothing necessarily wrong with capitalism in and of itself. And is capitalism even a thing? It is just the toxic pursuit of drive. It's drive.
1: Mm -hmm. Rather than,
0: and you know, there's nothing, we were talking about La La Land last week, there's nothing wrong with wanting to be famous or be an actress. But it's coming to the realization that that is not going to change your life. And it's not going to make you happy. And there's no solution.
1: Yeah, capitalism, together with a bunch of other types of ideologies, is just... And, and this is something that I've, I've heard Todd McGowan say and it's like ideology is sort of like a a way to experience the world without a contradiction mm-hmm. or at least yeah, rep- yeah. repressing contradiction.
0: Yeah, it's yeah. So a papering over of the real.
1: Yeah. So I think that the inability to communicate through language mm-hmm. uh, is precisely what constitutes communication as mm-hmm. we know it. Mm-hmm. And all of these like non-capacities that we have or or we can't really articulate certain things that becomes a reality Mm
0: -hmm.
1: when we can't articulate something we cover over it with Mm -hmm. something substantial yeah and substantial and it becomes sort of i I don't know if that's like really the 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 point of the film Mm -hmm. but it seems to me like that's the way that 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 society works
0: yes absolutely i mean we we don't we don't want to experience conflict. We don't want to experience the void that reminds us of the nothingness of our existence, of death.
1: Right, and I'm not even sure that we're able to do that, Mm -hmm. which is why I think that maybe the whole Mm -hmm. heptapod thing and Mm -hmm. and the language thing is like, Mm -hmm. does it make a difference or are we completely even Mm -hmm. unable to see?
0: It's interesting because there's something very Rothko about the interaction between the two scientists and the... And the heptapods, you know, it's, it's like a, it's a painting. You know, they have this screen. Yeah. This, this like, Pantaya, I don't know what's the word. Like a, like a big window where yeah. and recently I went to the Tate Modern um, with a friend and went to the Four Seasons work with Rothko. And, you know, it is, I've heard lots of people, I, I cried mm. when I, when I witnessed it. And, to me, you know, it really, it's, it's the void it's the rupture
1: yeah
0: and you know i guess the, the the crying is a representation of papering over ideologically in my own life sure that imminence of death yeah it's profoundly frightening and visceral and
1: it's very elemental right like mm. his, i mean Rothko stuff is just uh, there's something about it that is very unsettling because of mm. how simple it is and
0: yeah and it's very simple you know the, the production design and everything of the into it you know they're, they're there in these orange suits and these heptapods this very kind of sleek minimalist spaceship mm-hmm. and a kind of yeah bare bones thing bare bones thing yeah but talking about um you know this film kind of having a very kind of uh acceptance driven ending you know that nothing changes. Uh, there's no escape and really all there is is living in this kind of difficulty that we're in yeah perhaps we should talk about about the difference between drive and desire Mm. and how what the difference between drive and desire is and how drive relates to capitalism because it's funny i was (laughs) talking recently with my parents and actually um, my mum comes from a very communist family and so she's not really she doesn't really like it like her dad was an armchair communist and. She was calling me an armchair communist. We actually, I have a, and a descendant who is quite a prominent communist in London, was uh, exiled to Paris for a long time, with so this printing press and all this kind of stuff. But I, you know, I don't have anything. Ro- I don't. There's no. I have no qualms with making money. Money, people working hard going after goals with the world that we're in i don't you know i don't think there's some magical solution that say a communist system would ne- necessarily um replace and improve yeah but to me it's kind of like a, a textual difference mm-hmm. um you know kind of a libidinal investment in drive yeah is what characterizes our capitalist system. And it's why it's so difficult to identify and why potentially we need films to have it reflected back to us. Yeah. Because it, we can't see it.
1: Sure. And, and it's
0: not really a thing.
1: Yeah. It's,
0: er- a, it's, it's a balloon of everybody's libidinal desire into this belief that there's something out there, some lost object that will return us to the, to the kind of oneness of the womb as long as we get it. Yeah. And it's only in realizing that that doesn't exist but that we can still go on enjoying our lives and pursuing what we want to do and making money and working hard and whatever we want to do but it's a kind of a textual difference so everything is different but nothing is different
1: yeah and I think the difference is that I I you have it's been really difficult for me to find those things in my own life mm-hmm. uh the things that how is it that I am repeating loss mm-hmm. in my own life? Like, what are the things that I know are going to fail, but that I'm doing them anyway?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And the interesting thing is that they don't present themselves to us as loss mm-hmm. or as a, lock in, as a lack in our mm-hmm. lives, but as the meaning of our lives. hmm this is why I'm a meaningful individual. Mm-hmm. Because I because I because I'm pursuing You these overvalue things. something, you know. Exactly. You arbitrarily
0: you know, meaning it absolutely it's like love. Love, we were talking about last episode, but love is kind of a an arbitrary, ridiculous overvaluing of something. And and as humans we overvalue. Yeah. And there's nothing wrong with overvaluing. Sure. To some extent. But yeah, you're right, it's like the Beckett line, fail again, fail better. Camus mm. that you know all there is is pushing the pushing the the rock up the up the mountain like sisyphus and yeah. we have to imagine sisyphus happy yeah and the happiness is here and now in the grit and grime of our lives just trying to do what we want to do
1: yeah and i think it comes to a certain point I i i hope that people really come to a certain point in their lives where they just have to take apart the things that seem the most obvious Mm -hmm. in their lives, Mm -hmm. because that's probably where drive is operating. Mm -hmm. Um, You can't stop drive, but at the same time, not knowing, Mm. not knowing sort of the lack that is being covered over by, Mm -hmm. by these pursuits that Mm -hmm. we have Mm -hmm. um, can really lead to some, maybe a psychotic break or some kind of other form of psychic destruction um, I think that people need to be aware mm-hmm. that we're that as people we're always pursuing something that is fundamentally impossible to mm-hmm. to uh, to achieve.
0: Yeah, it's interesting you use the word knowing because again, you know, psychoanalysis. I mean, all there is really is coming to awareness of things, and whether that awareness actually changes anything, really. Um, but again, you know, to to repeat. Zizek's phrase don't act just think I mean all that is is really coming to awareness and bringing to awareness certain destructive behaviours yeah Um, yeah. I was going to say something in relation to this I feel like I always I always like suddenly have an idea and then continue talking and think like hang on what was I going to say Um, yeah but about oh yeah so I would call myself Lacanian like I do I do love a bit of Lacan yeah and I have a lot of friends who don't like him, um, who think he was a charlatan or, um, you know, really, there's a visceral kind of dislike. And one of the main dislikes, I mean, I personally think that, you know, a visceral dislike is a lack of understanding. Um, and I don't think really Lacan, I mean, he, you know, he has a lot of complicated seminars that are quite difficult to follow. But, you know, there, there are basic ideas that once those basic ideas are understood, it's quite clear. Yeah. But there's um a kind of anger at this idea that there's nothing that can quote unquote make you happy. So this idea of the lost object. But there are. There are things that can make you happy. Sure. Um and the difference perhaps is desire and drive. You know, if you're thirsty, a glass of water is going to satisfy you. Um if you miss your parents, seeing them and giving them a hug is gonna make you happier but it's it's kind of almost i don't want to use the word spiritual but like a metaphysical happiness isn't going to happen sure you know there's no transcendent object that's going to make you transcendently happy that's going to allow you to escape death imbued life yeah but yeah there are things and you know it's funny because sometimes they get i have had some friends you know talk. for instance when with our a film we made um adrian and i both worked on a film it's kind of based on a lacanian insight from seminar seven um and I, I, somebody I know who's a Jungian had a, had a real angry reaction to it. Mm-hmm. And he's like, uh, "Lucanian Newsflash, uh, there are things that can make you happy. And it's, you know, it's perhaps it's, it's kind of like a linguistic thing again. It's like, well, A, what is happy? I mean, I think happiness is, yeah, I mean, <laughs> what is happiness? As Don Draper would say, it's a moment before you need more happiness. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, happiness, I guess, it's satisfaction versus i mean it's funny because lots of lukanians have different words for different things like you know enjoyment versus pleasure um but yeah i think transcendental happiness for me is not something that really we can find for a very long time as human beings
1: i wonder if that's exactly what the heptapods or the Mm -hmm. the aliens were like trying to aim for okay and yeah, some like world peace mm-hmm. kind of thing because mm-hmm. you know they go to 12 different nations yeah, that are yeah. kind of at odds with each other, but the the constitutive antagonism of humanity I think mm-hmm. would have made that even impossible to read mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and and it's interesting that when they read the language mm-hmm. there's a sort of double back. Mm-hmm double back, double back defense mechanism into reality. Mm-hmm. Uh which is just go on. Have your family. um mm-hmm. uh, you know, have have your have your maybe maybe have your selfishness and all that and, and just and just enjoy it. But I don't know. It's it's there's I guess there's a few different ways to read it. Mm-hmm. Because it it can be a, a very nihilistic mm-hmm. look. Well at, yeah. Yeah.
0: So I totally interrupted you there. Were you going to talk about nihilism?
1: No, 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 no. I was just going to yeah. say. I was just going to say that. I yeah. I, I you know there's a visitation, mm-hmm. but I'm not sure that there's an awareness of that visitation mm-hmm. that really is is meaningful.
0: Yeah, it's interesting because nihilism is an is an interesting topic, and there's it's funny. There's something very like people get very angry about it, and it's like a lot of Nietzsche misunderstood you know, profoundly misunderstood. But it's almost like there is no you know, nihilism is everything that one can't live one's life unless one has accepted the nothingness, the void, the rupture.
1: Yeah.
0: That, that exists. Um, and then from that point, you know, one can build a life.
1: Which is interesting because don't they say that they want to come back after like, they're going to need mm-hmm. to come uh, back
0: after like humanity's help yeah. or yeah. something after yeah. a
1: few years. Um, maybe that's what needs to happen like that like a complete sort of welcoming of life and all it's incomplete uh, incompleteness mm-hmm. and once that happens because i think that that's the difference so people repressing death mm-hmm. and going on with with mm-hmm. their lives and people or amy adams becoming fully aware of death and mm-hmm. all that, and but continuing to go on mm-hmm. with, with her life. It's mm-hmm. just, there's a more direct acceptance. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what maybe changes okay. consciousness or mm-hmm. the, the aliens are hoping that that changes human consciousness mm-hmm. into a more direct acceptance mm-hmm. of the incompleteness of life. And that might lead to some kind of substantial change.
0: It's interesting. Yeah, I, just, I really, really like the point that you make about yeah, the 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 knowledge and yet going on, you know, the 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 brokenness and yet going on. Nevertheless, she persisted. Lol. <laughs> no, just joking. Yeah. That's, no, not my uh, driving mancha- mantra. I said mansion. <laughs> what kind of Freudian slip is that? <laughs>
1: yeah, and the other thing that the other thing that I mentioned briefly before that I thought oh. was very interesting is that maybe it's sort of uh, the collective acceptance of the Mm -hmm. incompleteness Mm -hmm. of life Mm
0: -hmm.
1: that can really make a difference. Yeah,
0: no, that is something that really I think is interesting because, you know, someone like Tom McGowan is using psychoanalysis to look at wider societal political issues. And there's often been a kind of critique of psychoanalysis that it's very individualistic and it's very representative of mid 20th century, that it's a capitalistic an emergent of capitalism. It's very individualistic and oh, you can't apply psychoanalytic ideas to wider society. But maybe you can. Mm-hmm. And that maybe it is what's necessary and that maybe we need to communally um, kind of uh, join together around a kind of lack. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah, no, that's... that's. I think that's, that's extremely important. Mm-hmm. I think that one of the saddest parts of the film mm-hmm. is the fact that Jeremy Renner leaves Amy mm-hmm. Adams after he knows. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But I think there's something there that's like not to be ashamed of mm-hmm. and I think that if I think that Jeremy Renner sort of idealizes that knowledge of death mm-hmm. or that knowledge of death in advance mm-hmm. um, through, through visions he idealizes that as, some, as something that would eventually like like if it's something meaningful or like, like if he would have made a different mm-hmm. choice mm-hmm. I don't think that he would have mm-hmm. um you know, he sees Amy Adams as a subject supposed to know mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that Amy Adams was supposed to make the decision to mm-hmm. not have the child mm-hmm. and to be a bigger person, yeah, 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 or whatever. And I think that really the key for progress, in, in some ways, is yeah. to understand or to understand collectively that uh, we need to go on with life, regardless of mm-hmm, this incompleteness mm-hmm. that is embedded into our yeah, existence.
0: Absolutely. And it's, as you say, you know, we were talking about trends within the, the potential trends within kind of like millennial culture kind of like res- resignation you see it a lot in I've noticed it in pop music a lot um, mm-hmm. I was just playing to you yesterday a track by Ariana Grande oh, yeah. um, which I feel like within its within its structure itself is, is this thank you next song it's this very zoned out song you know there's no there's no like there's no like real rebe- well we have huge numbers of hot takes about this topic in terms of millennials there's no like real rebellion or like energy or passion pop music is very zoned out there's there's a music called trap music i mean it's something that i don't personally get and i'm probably not the demographic that's supposed to get but it's very zoned out it's kind of xanax yeah um and people people there's a real resignation and the thing is it's like just because things are bad you know we shouldn't resign ourselves to it yeah. Um, and you know we, there's a as you say we, we need to find a way to go on it's, our friend Peter had a, um, a conference in October last year about creativity it's a, a, a kind of a, a festival a camp as it were about creativity and the first talk that he gave and you know he decided to organise the, the, the festival this way was about the nothingness as the first step step zero of the 12 steps is in any advice that you get for anything can be negative as long as you haven't accepted mm-hmm. that this thing that you're pursuing is not going to be the solution you know alcoholism isn't a problem it's a solution to a problem you yeah. know and anything that we do is often a solution to the lack in our lives and i don't know whether you experience this but as somebody who kind of creates for a living so something we saw in La La Land. There's often this kind of like fantasy that art is some thing that's going to change us. That poetry has greater meaning to it. That these films can teach us a lesson. And I'm somebody who just thinks no. or That you know, be, be, becoming a great artist is going to make us happy, or getting recognition for our work, or creating some some transcendent piece of artwork is going to change the world. Yeah. No. I mean, I I'm very much like the work that I do is. Or you know, I'm not saying my work, but as in the 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 field is a field like any other. You could be a plumber, or you mm-hmm. could be a musician. Like yeah, you know.
1: Yeah, and the takeaway for me for arrival is do not antagonize other people mm-hmm. because they're covering over, or like don't fetishize others as subjects supposed. Yeah, you're know, absolutely
0: know. right. Absolutely right.
1: Like you you can't do that because eventually, like when you when you idealize another person as knowing you are bringing into existence something that doesn't exist mm-hmm. which is an ultimate sort of mm-hmm. uh, position that like a bird's eye view mm-hmm. that you understand life and and uh, that you can make a higher form of decision mm-hmm. i don't think that that's supposed to happen
0: yeah definitely it's a subject supposed to know is a big problem in contemporary society that there's a lot of transference with certain figures and a projection a happy you know-
1: ending i think a happy ending would have been that jeremy renner uh, you know understands mm-hmm. Amy Adams' decision mm-hmm. to have the kid mm-hmm. uh, because she doesn't have the bird's eye mm-hmm. view mm-hmm. she might have these visions sort of, of the future or whatever mm-hmm. but ultimately connecting yeah, to, her, to her humanity yeah, yeah it's, it's just like she didn't have a choice mm-hmm. she had to repress death yeah. just as much as he did yeah as or as, as he would have
0: yeah so yeah that's interesting there was one other topic that I wanted to address um, just before we finished this podcast and it relates to the idea of language and how a kind of more Freudian approach to language versus something, I don't want to say Jungian, but um, a kind of, uh, a sort of depth psychology or a kind of belief that the unconscious has some like message to it. And, you know, it's interesting that a child is a big part of this film. And there's, in contemporary society, kind of a, a a fetishization of children and the children are closer to kind of this unconscious realm and kind of truth. Oh, God,
1: yeah, I hate that. And
0: (laughs) this is something in terms of language that, you know, from a Freudian perspective, language is a result of a a nothing. The know of the father, frustration, um, it emerges, and it is necessary that language exists in order to to become a self. Mm -hmm. Whereas we, you know, you see it a lot in kind of new age type um, religions or just in, in society in general that, you know, children know we must listen to the children, children know, that as if they are closest to an interpretation of the real and the real is a bringer of knowledge. It's funny because, I mean, to a certain extent, the rupture is the in arrival is the arrival of these heptapods and they do have a knowledge. But almost, as you said, it's a knowledge that doesn't really change much you know
1: it can't so, be articulated or it can't yeah. be transferred yeah. substantially into yeah. our own yeah. language
0: but we do have a we do have you know you were talking about bringing children into the world we do have a tendency to kind of fetishize children or you know it's almost kind of we have there's a lot of new age religions that fetishize eastern perspectives as if you know certain people from different cultures are closer to a truth a kind of Uh, an unconscious, like a real I don't know why I'm using the word real because real has nothing to do with any of that but it is a problem in society that we we, and potentially there's a lot of people who think oh you know in Eastern religions and whatever Buddhism there's a subject supposed to know that they know something that we Westerners don't know and that there's some great unity in doing yoga
1: Maybe this is why a lot of relationships well all relationships Mm -hmm. absolutely all relationships between uh, parents and children are completely, uh, they're, they're messed up. Mm. And it's because children are seen as the ultimate subject supposed to know. Well, they're like fresh out of the womb. Yeah. They don't, like, they, I don't know. It's just... And, and they become like sort of blank slates at the same time mm-hmm. that I think that, uh, you know, they, it's very easy to project onto them. And-
0: yeah. And, you know, you you see a lot of I mean, I just had a, a, a nephew that I'm obviously obsessed with because he's very cute from my perspective. Um, and, you know, it's very easy to see, you know, how the child can complete the mother or the child knows when it wants to eat us humans we we have a problem well as freud said well like humans can't have sex humans can't eat humans can't work we have to have something in the way i mean this is the funny thing about freud that a lot of people think that freud uh thinks that you know humans are obsessed with sex it's like almost the opposite humans can't have sex without some kind of additional fantasy getting in the way you know you can't just have pure sex like animals um and my mum, it was funny she was talking about my rabbit i have a rabbit at home and it is so wise it never overeats it always we give it a plate of food and it's so disciplined it only eats what it needs and then it leaves it and we could all learn a good lesson from that because we just yeah. but it's yeah you know this, the difference is language the difference is consciousness the difference is drive yeah. um and the children are yeah, the, 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 they are closer to the real because potentially you know egos haven't formed yet but there is no knowledge there
1: yeah yeah i think i think the ultimate lesson is here that god himself could come down mm-hmm. and impart his knowledge mm-hmm. and uh we should still sort of assume that the other doesn't know anything mm-hmm. at all mm-hmm. even even if you know even if they have some kind of revelation mm-hmm. into the future or or whatever i think that there's an inconsistency in humanity that doesn't allow us to mm-hmm. see the big picture Mm-hmm. I think that it's we are constituted in repression. Mm-hmm. And I think that being aware, like the first step maybe is to admit that to ourselves. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But then the second step is to admit that others are just like us.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I know it's funny because, yeah, there's almost well, certainly kind of like a, a Calvinistic thing is to be modest mm-hmm. and to think that we don't know and others know. But yeah, I mean, part of the... Part of the psychoanalytic cure is realizing that
1: the absolute is fragmented
0: yeah and that, that, that there's no subject supposed to know and you know i've had friends who critique freud as being some big father figure patriarchal guy who knows everything and is a big boss of and he's too big an ego and no no no, no. but the whole point of psychoanalysis is to realize that yeah there is no big other
1: yeah and isn't the isn't another point of arrival that Maybe the expectations that everybody had of the information mm-hmm. that the, the aliens could impart to them mm-hmm. is that they were expecting some kind of huge uh, alien knowledge that mm-hmm. was like transcendent mm-hmm. or just like I don't know something unimaginable mm-hmm. that we would be able to somehow incorporate mm-hmm. into our way of life. Um, but it's not that at all. Yeah, it's an acceptance. It's a it's a doubling back into accepting life as it is
0: yeah exactly she can't she has no magical power to change the fact that her child is going to die yeah there's another thing that's interesting that's different perhaps or unique about this sci-fi film this alien invasion film versus other films the kind of the beat that they flip is that this isn't some enemy that you know we assume that they're going to be an enemy and the characters in the film the military characters think that you know we have to kill this because they're going to destroy us and the beat that's flipped is oh the stranger is not an enemy the stranger yeah. is somebody we just haven't met yet. Yeah. And this is something also that potentially, I mean, it's a very facile reading that we, I don't know if you share my opinion, it's not some lesson that we have to learn that the other is just some stranger we haven't met yet, or a friend is a stranger we haven't yeah. met yet, that we're all strangers to ourselves. Exactly. And strangers are strangers to themselves. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, by yeah. accessing some other knowledge and we're not going to transform ourselves so the other doesn't have some message for us. Yeah. Yeah, we I are,
1: could s- we are, yeah. Sorry. No, go for it. Although no, I could see some similarity between uh, this story, the, the arrival story, and mm-hmm. also the, the, the story of, of Christianity. Mm-hmm. And it's that something alien comes to the world mm-hmm. or becomes human
0: mm-hmm.
1: and... Everybody expects it to be kingly. Everybody expects it mm-hmm. to be absolute. Mm-hmm. Everybody expects it to be transcendent. Mm-hmm. But it's sort of, you know, it's pathetic in the in in th- through familiarity. Yeah. Uh, and and it and it, it it depicts the alien as fragmented as well. Mm-hmm. And having life, Yeah, and
0: it needs, it needs our help as well. You know, yeah, like, yeah, absolutely. Like that's powerful. a really, really good point. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that
1: needs our help as well. Like, it, it's it's tied into our very lack. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I think that uh that's, I don't know, to me, that's what the movie yeah. means. It's yeah, just absolutely like you right. have this majestic gesture with the pods and everything, and they come, and, you know, there's this language that is very mysterious and mm-hmm. enigmatic, but once it's deciphered, mm-hmm. it's it's human yeah. and it's lacking yeah. and it's yeah. you know it's it, it points towards an acceptance of life as it is
0: yeah absolutely and it's interesting bringing christianity the idea that you know god came down to earth as a carpenter
1: yeah. you
0: know nothing changed really
1: the ultimate proletariat
0: yeah, yeah exactly <laughs> well he has a job <laughs> so <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah that's good i mean the the, the, the um, army of the unemployed well, marxist <laughs> terms but anyway you know he he is an artisan so it's not necessary I don't know it depends uh- <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> not funny. yeah but anyway um so shall we leave it there
1: yeah I think so I don't
0: know if there's anything else that we could talk I mean there's certain things that I really want to get into in terms of I mean it's potentially a you know a Freudian emergent of my unconscious desires to have children mm-hmm. but <laughs> children is a you know it's a really interesting topic and children in our world and millennials in relationship to children how millennials were bro- brought up how that is has affected us as a generation yeah how we listen to children now and certain things i think you can probably hear that i'm talking about that maybe i don't want to talk about too explicitly yeah um in terms but, of listening to children and children being all-knowing yeah
1: children are treated as sort of alien but i think that you know the they moment that <laughs> <laughs> sorry
0: so maybe they are kind of aliens
1: <laughs> <So yeah. laughs> no just like um The moment that they have a sense of self, Mm. they're already just like us.
0: Yeah, yeah, they are alienated, just like
1: us. Estranged. Estranged. (laughs) All right.
0: Right. We are going to go to the opening of an envelope. No, we are going to. (laughs) Have you not? This is a joke that, a personal joke between me and my friend Peter, but we are going to go to an art exhibition because why not? Oh yeah. See some friends. Are we going to go to the most negative comedian of all time tonight?
1: Oh yeah, yeah. We're gonna see Anthony Jeselnik tonight, and hopefully that'll be that'll be good. Be good. All right. So next time.
0: Until next time. (laughs) Goodbye. Bye.